If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. And before I bring on today's guest, I want to share with you an offer that you may well be interested in, and that is a 125-point checklist to uncover profitable income streams from your book. I know that uh, many of you are looking to make money with your book. Here are some ideas that you may not have thought about. If you would like a copy of this, then email me at susan at bookmarketingmentors.com. There's also a link below in the show notes. So make sure that you grab your copy and also subscribe to this podcast because you don't want to miss an episode of our great experts who share their wisdom with you. Now, let's get on with the show. Today, my special guest is hailed as a champion for introverts. Jennifer Conweiler, PhD, is one of the top global leadership speakers on introverts. She's an author and certified speaking professional. Her best-selling books, The Introverted Leader, Quiet Influence, and The Genius of Opposites, help introverts throughout the world expand their leadership capacity and they've also been translated into 18 languages. Her latest book is Creating Introverts' Friendly Workplaces, How to Unleash Everyone's Talent and Performance. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and Fortune. Jennifer takes enormous joy and pride from being a mom and a grandmother, as well as serving as a mentor to many professional women. She's one of my favorite National Speaker Association colleagues. Jennifer, it's a real pleasure to welcome you to the show and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Susan, I love your work and it's been a pleasure to be a colleague of yours for so many years now, actually. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. We love having experts on this show. It's all about different people's expertise their experience in life and what they can share. Now, you're hailed as a champion for introverts. How did you get that title? That's a common question, and I'm glad you asked it. Susan, I uh, got interested in this topic many years ago when I was introduced to an assessment called the Myers-Briggs, and there were two propelling forces that really got me going on this and where it became almost my life's work at this point. And one was uh, my husband and understanding that back then I was uh, married to an introvert. I still am. I see still the same husband. He's still an introvert. I didn't even know that term. And it was the kind of the experience if you've ever taken an assessment like that when things start to make sense. And so it really did help our relationship in a lot of ways and sort of having another 
lens to look through to understand each other because I used to get so frustrated. I didn't realize at the time that I was an extrovert, which I learned over the uh, the time of taking the assessment. So that was one uh, definite reason I became passionate about this. And I took that passion. And when I was working in organizations, I was a career coach, a leadership development person in HR, many roles helping people. That's always been my my goal, Susan. And like you, member of the National Speakers Association, a lot of us speakers are there to help folks as well. And uh, that was my driving force. And what I kept discovering as my career was unfolding was that I would come across so many people that I knew or had been identified as introverts, which turned out to be, you know, half the organizations actually between 40 and 60%. And they were so frustrated and overlooked and ignored in many cases. And I would observe it, you know, all the time. And it really had tremendous impacts that I was seeing on those individuals And as I really dug further into the research, looking at the impacts on teams and on the workplace, and that's sort of where the journey has taken me writing books about those topics. Fantastic. Let's sort of start from the beginning and look at what are some of the major differences between an extrovert and an introvert? So sort of Mm -hmm. everybody understands, because I'm sure, as you rightly said, After taking an assessment, you see things differently. Like you, I'm also married to an introvert. And it was only when I started studying some of these different characteristics that I got to understand my husband a lot better and why he does what he does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, I discovered there was a term I used in one of the books called accept the alien, you know, kind of in jest. But once you realize that you can't change that other person, Although at times we all still try to change people at work and at home. But if once you realize that, though, you're in for a lot less stress. Yeah. So would you like me to address just some of the differences? Some of the major differences. Sure, sure. You know, it really is. We've learned this also through studying the concept of introversion and extroversion. It really is, like many things, Susan, a spectrum. Think of it as a bell curve. Most people are clustered sort of towards the middle. And really what it's about is energy. And introverts get their energy from being in solitude and taking quiet time. They like people. It's not like they're antisocial, but they can only take so much of being out in the world before they need to decompress, get inside their heads where they get re-energized again, where the creative inspiration occurs, where they're just uh, recouping themselves. A lot of people talk about the term stimulation you know, if you've ever seen uh, an introvert get overstimulated, they've sort of get this look on their faces, just too much. It's just too much. Now let's take a look at the other side, which are extroverts who get energized by being out in the world in stimulation. And so their batteries get charged up and they kind of need more of that. And there's even uh, biochemical research that says that dopamine is more pronounced, that they have a lot more of it, that they are stimulated more in their minds and in their hearts when they're with people and they need that. It's like a fix that they need. So if we think about the pandemic now, it's been challenging really for both sides, but extroverts particularly have to get those people fixes in some way or another. Those are just some of the general themes around the differences. Now, if we talk about strengths that both have, and that's really in all of my work, I come from a place of really looking at how introverts can build on their quiet strengths because for too long, 
they have had to adapt and they still do very much so to a type A extroverted world. My specialty is the workplace. It's absolutely true that most companies, most businesses, most professions do uh, reward the extroverted temperament. Now, what is the extroverted temperament? It tends to be more, uh, or some of the strengths, let's say. We'll start with extroverts. You know, extroverts can really get, there's the term schmooze, right? They can get people talking. They like to, you know, have conversation, meet with probably more people than just less. They like a lot of uh, breath versus depth in, in what they're doing with their work, as well as their relationships. They like to have a lot going on in that way. And then they kind of get deflated if they don't have that. They're very much out there and they're connecting and they're bringing people into the conversation. They're, you know, really excellent at facilitation. You know, when you see meetings happen or when there are programs, oftentimes the extrovert will be the one that steps up and gets things going. There's a lot of strengths from that standpoint. Introverts, because I've said that they're in their heads, they go for a lot of depth versus breadth. So if you think about projects, they go deeper. Let's say you work with clients who are writing books, right? So the introvert, one way they might write the book is kind of dig into it, go deep, and then write. Whereas the extrovert might get an idea from here, from there, have sticky notes all over the wall, <laughs> and then kind of make it diverge into a chapter that makes sense. And I'm thinking of myself when I've co-written with introverts. <laughs> That's the difference in the style. It's just one example. We really have focused so much on the extroverts. We look at what are the strengths that introverts bring in addition to really what I talked about, you know, the, the taking the quiet time and in influencing, in leading, they really use those strengths of listening, engage listening is one of the hallmarks, you know, that people will talk about their leaders as being people that were incredible listeners and they were introverted. Another key differentiator from extroverts is they do a lot more preparation that really makes their contributions very long lasting. They have really given things thought. And so there's focus. Extroverts tend to, just to flip to them a minute, they contribute as well, but they do it in a way that's more like I described in the writing. It's more brainstorming. It's more thinking aloud, whereas the introverts, again, think in their heads. So those are some of the strengths. They're also very, introverts are very calm and they will show if you think about introverts, like one in, that just popped in my head that I've been reading about lately is Fred Rogers, you know, the wonderful host of a children's television program. And if you look at videos of him or of others who are introverted influencers, you'll just hear this calmness uh, that just kind of gets everybody kind of calmed down, just like he did millions of children around the world. I hope that gives just sort of a, a picture of some of the differences and Certainly my four books have gone into a lot more detail, but giving you a couple of the hits. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, she's been in my office with all those stickies around ah. the place. So I was like, oh. Yep. It's so funny because as you were saying all these different things, I'm thinking, yes, I relate to that. Yes. Now, I think that in some ways that I'm an extrovert, but in others, mm -hmm. I feel, oh, I'm an introvert. And as I get older, I feel I'm becoming much more of an introvert than ever I was. Is that possible? Yes, it is possible. In fact, Carl Jung, who was the originator of this in the early 1900s, of this theory, definitely wrote about that. And he said that in the second half of life, like 50 above, we start to move in more into those other traits. 
and we develop those. And if you think about it, you are through life learning how to function in the world. You know, you realize that, you know, maybe I don't need to, as I get older, be socializing every weekend, Friday and Saturday night, you know, as you get older, for instance. I'd rather stay home and read a good book, you know, and just curl up and just relax. And where I got in touch with my introversion was when I was doing a lot of traveling, you know, up until lately, (laughs) it was a few years ago and I was on the road alone for a lot of the time. And I started to get to know myself better, if we, you know, I could put it that way and actually realized that when I got off the road, that I really relished that time alone, that I really enjoyed just being with myself. I didn't need to have people around. You know, that was a big lesson that I've experienced as well as other extroverts. But I think that's important to realize. And introverts, on the other hand, become more adept at social skills and social interaction and stimulation, but yet they still need to go back to their center. And I think that's the key. I suggest that people don't you know, try to obsess about, well, am I or am I not? There's a term ambivert that's used, like ambidextrous. And some people relate to that. But I find that the more we learn about the profile, most of us, as I say, are towards the middle, but we can usually identify more with one than, than another. And again, it's not a big deal if you don't either. And it's funny because I often get this, that introverts sort of are very apologetic about the fact that they are an introvert. Have you found that? Yes, I have found that. And one of my thoughts about that is that, and I wrote about this in my last book on creating introvert-friendly workplaces, is that there's still tremendous bias against uh, introverts in the workplace and in the world. They'll say, no, I'm I'm definitely an extrovert. And then they take an assessment or they learn more about it. They say, no, you know, I've been trying to be somebody I'm not. And that's what's been very exhausting. I hear this like every day from clients, from readers. There's still this tremendous stigma because as I mentioned earlier, we live in a type A extroverted uh, world. And so it's just normal that people are going to feel that way, but definitely something we want to change. And that's my mission now is to have everybody embrace these incredible qualities. You know, there's some tremendous, tremendous strengths in being introverted. Let's turn the focus onto the authors. And what I find so often is that authors don't like to promote themselves. And I'm thinking yeah. that may well be a characteristic of an introvert. Talk to us about that. And what advice would you uh-huh. give to an author who really sort of feels very self-conscious about going out there, promoting themselves, and they think it's sort of yucky and not the right thing to do? Well, you know, I did a a program for my fellow authors on this a few months ago. And and if I can, I can just share with you a couple of the steps that I recommended that have been my ways of getting my message out there. I'll put a qualifier out there that I actually like to market. That's been something that I find is a challenge, you know, (laughs) and I've always felt that the way I've built my other, I've had several businesses, you know, and I've always looked at the PR and the marketing as something that I could, you know, try to figure this out, try to find the right angle. So for me, this is something I enjoy, but I think the basic message is, Susan, that people need to find the ways that work for them. And it's not every strategy. It's not every tool. It's not every tip. So let me just share with you, if you can indulge me, I'll I'll give you the six ones that I said, and then maybe we can, if you have any questions on it, we can do that. Absolutely. I call them six levers. And one is the website. 
Now, the website needs to be easy to find and, you know, have a landing page on the book. I mean, these are very practical kinds of things. These aren't things that you need to do to get out there and talk to people. You do need to, though, have a a presence online, right? A findability factor, I think it's called. And, you know, with your website and your book, it's very helpful. And you probably advise your people to do this is give away chapters, give away excerpts. Speaking of giving away, several years ago, I reached out to, I think it was my second book, and I was trying to look at some ideas for how to get it out there. And I talked to a person who said to me, who was a successful author, Lisa McLeod. And Lisa is a sales expert. And she said, you know what, Jennifer, I give my book to anybody who shows even a glimmer of interest. And so the next time I had a book come out, I ordered more discounted copies from the publisher at the outset when you can get a better discount. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, anybody that said, oh, I'm interested in the book, I got it in their hands because that's what I wanted to do. And so the website's one way to kind of get that free stuff out there, but also to give books away. The second thing I do, I recommend to people is to build your communities. And if we think about introverts and how you have deeper, introverts have deeper relationships, we all can do that. And you know, share in any kind of way that makes sense for you, whether it's on social media or if you have a list to start building your list, is to make people a part of your book journey, you know, as you're writing the book. And I did kind of a funny video with my husband on the last on the last book where he was being a real introvert and wasn't very interested when my books came and I was all excited. So it showed the difference. It was kind of just a humorous thing and it got like tons of people looking at it, you know? That was something where you can do as an introvert. You don't necessarily have to be out there talking to people. You can make a video. You know, that was something. And then, of course, press, which I know you've had some great people on there about getting your writing articles and getting them into uh, so many of the online outlets now. I did that a lot on this book because it came out in June, on June 16th, right? You know, in the midst of the pandemic that we're still in. And uh, getting articles out there gets more of an audience. And you can take articles from your book and just adapt content from your book. So that's kind of the third thing. The website, build your communities, have your press going, and then use social media. Like I found in um, Quiet Influence, when I looked at how people made a difference who were introverted, they said that they use social media, if they did use social media, and some didn't, they used it very thoughtfully. For instance, one of my friends, Jesse Stoner, has a leadership blog that's immensely popular. And one of the key strategies she uses to grow interest in her work is sharing content from a wide scope of leadership experts. So she gives voice to others. You know, she mentions them in her blog posts. And I think now she has like her blog gets more than a million views a year. You can think about how can I share the wealth and support other people and it's going to come back to you. And then, of course, uh, speaking is a way. And and now with virtual speaking, there are opportunities for introverts who aren't that comfortable, you know, such as doing maybe like a fireside chat. You can have the questions ahead of time, or you could do an on-demand program, right, where you're prepared and you can redo it and practice and have it available. And then uh, the last tip I would say is to consider partnering with outside firms like yours and others. And... uh, you know, we have them do some of the work that you're not comfortable doing. There's a lot out there. I I would suggest to people, as folks told me when I got into the more of the keynote speaking business, Susan, was don't try to do it all. 
Were you told that too? Just oh, yes. it was overwhelming, right? It's overwhelming, and every expert I have on here, you know, just like social media, it's like don't try and do it all. Find something that you feel comfortable with, and just do that. So yes, I mean, but the point is to do it, right? Great advice, absolutely. (laughs) And set up. So I would make the case that there are a lot of introvert-friendly ways now, especially with our virtual platforms to market your book. I don't know. What are you seeing now, Susan, with the pandemic? Are you seeing people, you be creative with how they're doing it? I think they're being very creative and much more so. And they're thinking up online programs, which seem to be Mm -hmm. the big hit at the moment. Right. And obviously social media has probably gone crazy with everything. I don't do a whole lot of it. So I is sort of a little scared of it, but um, sort of putting my toe in the water. But articles, I think you're absolutely dead on with that one. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are opportunities out there that you don't have to feel icky about what they call self-promotion because it's more about your message and the value you bring with that message that I think is most important. So, And, and one of the areas I have seen introverts be concerned about doing is, and it kind of relates to what you said earlier about bragging on yourself. Like in the South, in Atlanta, where I live, they say there's an expression, don't brag on yourself. But you know, you you have to do some amount of bragging. But can you do bragging with, and I totally get that, you know, it can sound very conceited, and you're arrogant and all of this. But how about if you work on building your relationships, and you, as I mentioned, Jesse's example, you are giving and you are supporting other people. And you will find it comes back to you. So when it's time for your book to launch and you send your email out to your launch team, is what I call it, you are going to be getting great responses back. People are going to, you're going to say, here's how you can help. You know, these are the ways you can write a review. Would you mind just putting this on your social media or mentioning it in your newsletter? And you ask for the help and it'll come back to you much more so than you even expect. And it's all because we're helping each other. And I, I truly believe that. I, w- I want to tell one quick anecdote about that, if that's okay. Go for it. And it's your podcast. So I want to make sure. <laughs> Some people might know the name Susan Kane. Susan wrote a, a very famous book called Quiet, which came out about the same time that my book came out. And I had been introduced to her and we had some correspondence and we stayed connected And my book was The Introverted Leader was the first book that came out. It's now in its second edition that came out last year. But it was the first book in the workspace about this topic. And, you know, now there's like hundreds of books on introverts. So it was good to be there early. People said to me, oh, my gosh, you know, aren't you going to be, you know, concerned because Susan is a big name in this. And it was incredible what happened. Like she and I began a friendship, you know, a colleagueship, and we shared ideas. And then... I was sharing about her book, which I really didn't have to because her TED Talk, you know, had probably the most views of any TED Talk practically. But slowly after, you know, as her time went on, I was sharing her content and she would be very kind and share a chapter of mine when it came out, promoted on social media. In the last book, The Introvert, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces, just I mentioned this just because this is the importance of connecting with people who could be considered competitors, but I like the term collaborative competition. You're becoming better because of that other person. You know, if you think about 
two tennis players who play with each other just so they get better. And Susan elevates my game. And what Susan did for this topic is she broke open the floodgates and she allowed many of us to really then seize that because people didn't even talk about introversion before. And yes, you know, and I mean, her name is big in that space. And it's so lovely to hear. And I love that word, colleagueship. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sounds better than sort of like JV, joint venture partners. I like yeah, that. And yeah. that collaborative yeah. competition. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, and, and that she opened doors for you that allowed people to embrace your work and hers as well. So Exactly. I- and and what we realize about when we have colleagues like that, and by the way, I want to give credit to the collaborative competition term, which is Catherine Mayer, who wrote a book about that. I want to I give her the proper attribution. But you know what we've realized is that we all complement each other. Another dear friend of mine now is Sophia Demling, who wrote a book called Introverts in Love, and she wrote The Introvert's Way, two fabulous books. And she has written for psychology to get today. A lot of your authors wonder, how do I get press, right? I reached out to her when I was in Dallas, just visiting a few years ago. We had a drink and we got to be friends and we really have become good friends. And she has covered my work. We will brainstorm ideas and she'll just put it on psychology today. She does a column, right? And recently she was having some challenges. And so I recommended her for a a writing, an editing assignment. And now she's got a lot of work with this company. It's all about give and take. And, you know, I think that's so beautiful when authors can support each other. And that's why I'm really pushing this is kind of partnerships are the way, building your community. And then you will find if you're truly invested and it's not just a transactional kind of thing. Well, I pat your back, your pat, you know what I mean? It's more like a, a rich reciprocity that, is happening between you, then you will see your book start to really take off because you're going to people who have themselves influential communities. And that's really critical. I just don't think in this day and age with how many books come out, every business books like every week, Susan. Millions. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like hundreds. I think it's like <laughs> thousands. I, yes. Numbers are staggering, right? They the are. They're getting larger and larger. <laughs> larger. And you know that. So how do you get seen? How do you get, you know, visibility? And well, so, that's it. right, yeah. you got to find that way. And my way has been really to connect. And I think introverts, it's a very introvert friendly technique, particularly when you can start a lot of those conversations on email and through LinkedIn and get to know that person, follow them. It's cool. And I must say, I just want to say that that also, that approach has landed me some really fantastic endorsements. People I didn't even know, like Ariana Huffington. Adam Grant, Daniel Pink. I have followed them. I've reached out to them and they didn't know me at all. And so, except Daniel Pink, I did meet him once very briefly. And so it was really cool to see that endorsements can happen too, because you are connecting with people and you're sharing their work. And that's really the key. That's beautiful. And it's lovely to hear that those names are also willing to share because you think sometimes, oh, I can't approach that person. They'd never answer me. But actually, they're human beings like everybody else. And when people say to me, oh, you answer your own phone? I was like, of course I do. You know, <laughs> who else should answer it? My father used to say they put their pants on like everyone else, one leg at a time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> 
If our listeners wanted to find out more about you, your books, your services, how can they do that? Well, thank you, Susan. I'm very proud of our new website, and it's got got a lot of rich information on there that people can check out. So it's jenniferconweiler.com, and I'm sure you'll put the spelling in there. It's all one word, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R, Conweiler, K-A-H-N-W-E-I-L-E-R.com. And we have um, four different quizzes on there that only take five minutes each. You can just pick one to take that each aligns with the books that I've written, The Introverted Leader and the latest one, Creating an Introvert-Friendly Workplace. And they all align with that. And you can see where you stand, where your team stands. And it's just a good way to really get started on the journey of really being more introvert inclusive. I love it. If you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be, Jennifer? In these times, I think I would go back to my quote that I love, and I I don't remember who said it, but I, I will have to look that up. It's worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. Mm-hmm. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorry. So I'm worrying less, Susan, <laughs> especially in these times, one minute at a time. Exactly. And that's all we can do is take one that's, minute at a that's time. Right. That's right. That's all that's, we've got. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jennifer, you've been amazing. You've shared some wonderful wisdom. I've gotten some incredible ideas. And you and I need to talk about something. We'll do that offline. But thank you. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparked some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. And before I sign off completely for today, remember the 121-point checklist to uncover profitable income streams for your book? Email me at susan at bookmarketingmentors.com. It's in the show notes as well, the link. Get your copy. See you next week. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded. So visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.